And when we understand something, then we can actually begin to fix it. So we're going to go through a process of learning and development over here in Pool, where we're going to begin to see things that we're not seeing right now. And we're going to be able to name them. Once we name something and we can understand what it is, then we can actually change our behaviors. I will then begin to see more faculty wanting to add different modules to their classes. And all of that will circle around to impact our total student experience. That is it. What we're seeing within our business community now is we are having to start at using the university levels. We're looking at one-on-one. It will be so amazing to have these young leaders already at that space. And they're now ready to then take us to the next level. And we're seeing our Gen Z folks that are already demanding change. They are ultimately saying we want our companies to be responsible to the community. Uh, we want our companies to use their platform for change. You know, I just have to give, you know, Taya, what you're doing, just so many props because that is the foundation. That's the only way that we can evolve. Welcome to the Pool Podcast, the official podcast of the Pool College of Management at NC State University. This is a think and do conversation about the relationship between academics and industry. In each episode, we will share research and ideas from the classroom, from our incredible faculty, and explore how it's being translated into practice. I'm your host, Jenny Hammond, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer here in Poole College. Let's dive in. I'm excited to dig into our topic today, but before we do that, let me introduce our two guests. Our first guest is Taya Butler, the first Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here in Poole College. Taya spends her time bringing the pieces together needed to make change and impact lives. And her role at Poole, her objective is twofold. First, to help integrate curriculum and experiences for all Poole College students so that they grow into comfortable and fluid intergroup cultural competence. Second, to create opportunities that validate and lift up all the very microcultures of the Poole community so that our diversity thrives. Prior to her time at Poole, Taya served in several leadership roles in the DEI space at other higher education institutions, including the University of Oregon. Taya received both of her degrees from Pacific Lutheran University. Welcome, Taya. Our next guest is Danya Perry. Danya serves as the Director for Equitable Economic Development with Wake County Economic Development and Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion with the Raleigh Chamber of Commerce. In this role, Danya supports efforts to ensure economic development in Wake County's most vulnerable communities. This includes increasing economic mobility, workforce development, and supporting small businesses. To support existing industries in their DEI journey, Danya leads the Chamber's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusivity Alliance. This alliance's vision is to lead in making the Triangle region the most diverse, equitable, and inclusive business environment in the country. For the past 12 years, Danya has served as the Vice President of Youth Development for Communities and Schools of North Carolina. In this role, Danya supported schools and communities in building their capacity to surround youth with the necessary support to be successful in life. Danya is a native to North Carolina, hailing from New Bern, before earning a BA in political science and an MA in public administration from right here at North Carolina State University. All right, so Taya, let's start with you. As mentioned in your intro, you were recently appointed Poole College's first Director of Diversity and Inclusion. Tell us a little bit about this role and why now more than ever, it's important to have this position in Poole College. 
Well, thank you, Jenny, for kind of leading with that question. So if it's okay, I'm going to reach into uh, part of my identity that's uh, a really big deal to me, and that is from being from the Pacific Northwest. So I'm going to make an analogy here um, with something that a lot of us in the Northwest we would be familiar with. And I, I see a role like this as a river guide, an expert river guide. Why do I say that? It's because when we're trying to navigate um, the challenges that we encounter in diversity, equity, and inclusion as both individuals and then also as organizations, there are some like smooth rivers that we can float down there. Um, there's some walks that are, you know, and changes and, and things we can do easily. But then there are some moments where it really is a rough ride. And the role of a you know executive uh, diversity officer or chief diversity officer, or in my case, a college director of diversity, equity, inclusion, we are the ones that kind of know uh, what level of situation that we're encountering. And we are the ones that have got the tools, we've got the experience, and we can guide, right, everyone in our raft through those challenging times and not lose anybody in the process, which is probably the ultimate goal. Uh, and when we get through that, you know, on the other side, everyone looks back and is like, wow, we all feel really good about this and, and we're in a better place. So I hope that analogy works. Right now, there is such a high need for organizations to be evaluating their practices, their policies, um, their habits, their culture. And those are tough conversations and it takes some courage and it takes some resources. There are experts in this field. Uh, so I get to be the person who brings all of those resources to the table and, and know what play we're going to make, you know, at what point in time and in the role that I need everyone around me to play uh, so that we can move ourselves forward. Awesome. Danya, I, I was reading up on your bio before we started down this path of this conversation, and it looks like you have two full-time jobs, essentially. Tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing and how they may perhaps interact with each other. Yeah, well, I this work, it, it, it's one of those one long, continuous, beautiful struggles. You know, I think there's a lot of intersectionality with the work around equitable economic development, which uh, actually started with a conversation prior to me coming to the Raleigh Chamber, Wake County Economic Development. It was a conversation of our community's growth and recognizing that some of our communities weren't growing at the same clip as other parts of the community. And we recognized that full participation, full inclusive prosperity truly creates a better opportunity to deal with the issues regarding our most marginalized communities. So the work started out in 2018, looking at how do we support responsible growth? And that's every part of our economic ecosystem. Now, when you think about economic mobility and upward mobility, there's a sort of a, a landmark study, I like to say, back in 2016, Dr. Raj Chetty out of Harvard, ultimately uh, asserts that our zip code can actually predefine our success. And so we now at our community are trying to dissect those elements, right? Those elements of why is that so predictive? So in recognizing that a big part of the economic ecosystem is how do we support our existing industries? How do we support them within their own strategy around diversity, equity, and inclusivity that support diverse workforces, uh, looks at representation in these communities also connects with uh, their cor corporate social responsibility. So it's all of those different elements. And so my work really splintered. <laughs> uh, and one, one is looking at practices and policies of economic development, while the other, uh, which is 
the role as director of diversity, equity, and inclusivity with the Raleigh Chamber is how do we support our existing industries in that space? So to that work, we actually uh, launched the, in 2019, the Triangle DEI Alliance, which gave us an opportunity to coalesce under uh, the vision to accelerate DEI within, within the triangle, within our community. So it's, it's really cool work because it's new work and at the same time, there's a lot of good energy around it. And I would imagine just the growth of this area right now, right? This entire market, we're just growing substantially. My question, I guess, would be, how are you getting in front of these different industries and making sure that they understand you're there to help support them as they enter our market and enter this area? That's a really good question because I think it's twofold. I always look at change uh, as a science. There's an implementation science. And my goal is about really connecting with those early adopters, those companies that are in that space, that are excited about it. They uh, may not know what they don't know. They want to grow. They want to evolve. Uh, once you get that, and I like to call it that crazy dancing person in the field who is just, you know, at a concert and they're dancing by themselves and how much can they then attract all this energy? And, and then all of a sudden you have 20 people and all of a sudden you have 50 people. And then next thing you know, you have 400 people uh, dancing crazy together. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to get everybody to dance crazy together. And, you know, we're slowly being able to do that. There's a lot of folks that are in this space that are paralyzed in just analyzing the problem. And what we try to do is create awareness through our programming, which is our DEI conference, our Courageous Conversations. We're trying to build the fluency of our community to be comfortable talking about it and to recognizing that being uncomfortable isn't being unsafe. And so for us, it's how do we keep pushing those narratives of, okay, listen, you're going to mess up. You know, we're going to fail. We're going to fall. But as my football coach would say all the time, you know, listen, if you get tackled, just fall forward, okay? Just fall forward. You, that means if you're going to get tackled, but at least you will be one inch closer to the goal line. I love the analogy. It's full of analogies today. I want to dig a little bit deeper into that too. But before I do that, I want to ask Taya a couple of questions. One, Taya, in your role now, I assume you're getting the opportunity to walk to work across Pool College with many different types of stakeholders. What are some of the things you're hearing in terms of what we should be doing in the college to help grow the conversation of DEI um, in our classrooms? And, and most particularly, how is it important to embed it in our curriculum? So those are two really big questions. So I'm going to try, do my best to kind of unpack them a, a little bit at a time. If I can say my general observations, Jenny, is that first of all, I have found Pool College as a community and as a collective in a space of ready to learn. And, and ready to see what we need to do differently. I'm also hearing a lot of people say, you know, and I think this is also built on what Danya just shared, they're not entirely sure what they don't know right now. And so what I am hearing is a real strong call for some good learning and development and kind of going back to um, understanding that we're all approaching some of these conversations from an interpersonal place based on our frame of reference. So some of us did get introduced to a little bit of these conversations in our own college experiences, but depending on like how long ago that was or where that was, what kind of college it was, some of those conversations could have been incomplete. They could have been 
you know, maybe they were great for their time, but um, our, our knowledge and our theory um, has evolved, you know, um, over 30 years uh, to, to improve on the practices and to learn, you know, new practices and learn new behaviors. And then if I can just be honest, some of our experience with these conversations in the past has just downright been toxic. And so I'm hearing everyone ready and eager to re-engage. That's the word that I'm using in Pool College right now is we're going to re-engage in some learning and development. And we're going to start with some awareness building. What I'm hearing from our faculty when it comes to what they want to be able to do in the classroom is they want to be more aware of the microaggressions that are popping up that are keeping our students of color from feeling welcome and safe in those classrooms. And there's a lot to learn just in that one space, right? But if I can help them, first of all, become more aware and see those moments as they pop up, then uh, the next step is to help us understand what's going on in those dynamics and understand kind of the, the background and the more depth of those, those comments or, or why that might be happening. And when we understand something, then we can actually begin to fix it. So we're going to go through a process of learning and development over here in pool, where we're going to begin to see things that we're not seeing right now. And we're going to be able to name them. Once we name something and we can understand what it is, then we can actually change our behaviors. Uh, and I think as we increase that level of confidence that we can, you know, have a different conversation in the classroom, I will then begin to see more faculty wanting to add different modules to their classes. Um, they'll be more confident to um, add different learning objectives for our you know, 300 and 400 level courses. And all of that will circle around to impact our total student experience. We will begin to produce business leaders who have seen that behavior role modeled in a positive way. They have been exposed to what some of these challenges are. They have heard some people talk about way to, ways to, to move through it. And that's gonna make our future graduates and our alumni really effective in the multicultural and pluralistic workspace that they're entering in. I have to say that right there, that is it. What we're seeing within our business community now is we are having to start at using the university levels. We're looking at one-on-one, you know, and even a, a pre one-on-one class, you know, maybe one of those, the courses that I used to take when I was at NC State to get me ready to take math one-on-one, you know, calculus one-on-one. So, you know, it will be so amazing to have these young leaders already at that space. And they're now ready to then take us to the next level. And we're seeing our Gen Z folks that are already demanding change. They're demanding uh, our community to look different. They are ultimately saying we want our companies to be responsible to the community. Uh, we want our companies to use their platform for change. You know, I just have to give, you know, Taya, what you're doing, just so many props because that is the foundation. That's the only way that we can evolve. You know, Isaac Newton said, we stand, if I see further, it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants. And, you know, I, all we are doing is preparing our shoulders for folks to stand on those and they can look further too. Well, I appreciate that, Danya. And, you know, I, I sometimes I sit back and I have some other amazing people that I'm working with in Pool College. Uh, Beth Shepard, who was recently named the Director of Instructional Design. She is a master at understanding how adults learn. And we are teaming up um, also with our new operations um, specialist and someone who's leading us in our organizational excellence, Maggie Mary. We have seen that if we continue to put a platform of pool professional development, 
it has the same structure that you just recognized, Danya, like there's 100, there's introductory knowledge that we all need to get exposed to. And then once we have that foundational, then we can go on to, right, understanding more about the depth of that. Then we can begin to see elementary application of that knowledge in advance. You know, it's kind of funny, we're a higher education institution. We figured out how to teach people a ways back. So uh, using those same methods and, and using a, the adult learning process, meeting our uh, faculty and our staff where they're at, that's a critical component to adult learning. So this, this is a fun full circle for me uh, personally to, to have gone, not to, to bring the conversation back kind of Jenny to your opening question, uh, because I've been doing this in the undergraduate space. I've been creating learning opportunities for all of our undergraduate students to begin to understand, again, that foundational level. Uh, when I first joined Pool and we modified the course that every single new student takes, and we call it our M100, it's, we, we renamed it to Personal Professional Identity Development. And we just start with the basics. Every single one of our students are, are going to learn how to understand themselves and then recognize by the end of that one semester course that the students that they're sitting around are infinitely complex and layered and different just because they might look like another student that there's more than what we appear. And that is the foundation. And as our faculty kind of comes up to speed with me and we begin to introduce more concepts in 200 level and 300 level, we're, we're gonna see a, a culture shift here in Pool, and I'm really thrilled about it. This next question really is for the both of you. And we've asked this on many of our guests on the show so far in various different topics, but I'd be interested to hear the opinion of the both of you. Danya, from your perspective, engaging with industries and the community and Taya certainly being embedded within in the college, what are the skills that our students need to have to be successful moving forward? What are those future skills? What are the skills for the jobs that we don't even know exist yet? And how can they be impactful in these organizations to continue to have these conversations and continue to, to impact change? I think maybe what I just described, right, is a process of critical self-awareness. And what I have experienced in 15 years of being in higher education, particularly in business schools of higher education, that attribute, that's, we used to call them soft skills. Come to find out, it's like the skill. <laughs> Critical self-awareness is the root of great management, great leadership, great teamwork. And it, it holds the same and holds true also for understanding how to navigate, you know, diversity in the workplace, how to overcome prejudice, how to reduce bias, all of that really boils down to critical self-awareness. So I'm going to pause. I'll let Danya add another one out there and then we'll keep going. No, I, I just want to add on to that. Amen and pass the offering. I mean, it's for me, it's like this. We did a, uh, we being the Chamber of Wake County Economic Development, which is a division of the Raleigh Chamber. We've been doing these talent and skills analysis, um, surveying over four or 500 businesses, asking about their future talent and what do they need or where do they see the largest gaps? And the number one thing is critical thinking under the umbrella of those social skills. And so I'm excited about being a part of any conversation that would leverage getting young people workplace immersion, but specifically opportunities to critically think through processes, how to work across difference. I sit on a board of an organization called District C and their goal literally is about pulling together diverse groups of young people to identify a real world problem and they work through 
that problem to come up with a solution. And they solicit uh, companies to give them real work, like real problems that they want solved. And then they bring all of these differentiated ideas together and they have to come up and pitch that, that product. Now, the idea isn't the goal, <laughs> you know, the, the final goal, it really is them being able to work across all of their differences to get to that place of actually uh, being able to present a pitch. So I'm, I'm right there with you, Taya. That to me is, it, it really resonates from that one element. Everything else, and I've learned this, you know, as I've gotten old, that some of the things within any of the work that I've done has been experiential or I can learn on the job or if I have a great mentor. But if I don't have a foundation of that, can think through and be able to even self-motivate and think about how I can engage others, then it's going to be really tough you know, for me to be able to really move and have the type of impact that I like to have. Can I build on that? Of course. Because what you just said, being able to engage others takes me to what I believe the second most valuable skill um, that has always been seen as a soft skill, but turns out to be essential. And that's active listening. For us to really be able to understand the, the mindset of someone else, to understand the value that they bring, the strengths that we could potentially work together on, their concerns that we could easily alleviate, we have to be able to listen. And slowing down the pace of our lives right now is such a huge challenge to just pause and listen to each other. We're trying to cram so much into our classes. If I turn this back to curriculum, right? And, and teaching so much jam-packed in the classes, really that we've, we've got to a, a spot where the best way to deliver that information is just one speaker, right? Uh, delivering that content. And while students are listening for that information, they're not developing the active listening ability to ask for clarification and, and ask for you know, more insight. And it's something that we try really hard to develop in our students in a co-curricular space. So when we can bring down the engagement size of different programs, right? Uh, and then we can create you know, small learning experiences, leveraging companies you know, coming in and talking about their different topics. But uh, it's, it's so easy for our students to slip back into like a consumption mode. And what we need to be helping them do is increasing their, their skill level in that, um, that listening mode and asking for clarification, asking for understanding, um, asking you know, to, to build empathy and build rapport. So I'll, I'm gonna throw that out there, Donnie, what do you think? Uh, I love it. I've seen and been a part of spaces now that we try to open up for companies is to have that chance to go into sort of this constructivist, you know, listening protocol of where you just listen to your your colleagues, you just spend time, I mean, unlike unfiltered, don't break in, don't interrupt. I'm just practicing listening for two minutes straight. And most people who are actually the ones talking don't feel like they can fill that space up in two minutes. But we're getting folks from from moving from the cognitive to the metacognitive, where you're actually getting to that space where you're really getting a chance to go deep, which sometimes we just don't get a, we don't get an opportunity to really go deep because we're in output mode. We're like all continuously wanting to move to the next step. So when you give people space to be able to really talk and then have the person listen uninterrupted, then you can start to see some real growth uh, around change, you know, whatever that issue is, whatever you're going to attack. And so what we've been doing, you know, within our spaces of our Triangle DEI Alliance is opening that up, giving spaces for our 
our CEOs to be in a small group session by themselves to actually bounce ideas off of each other. And we'll just give prompts and they'll work on that prompt. And it's crazy to think, okay, we're asking CEOs to sit, sit, be quiet and work on a prompt. Like, you know, they, they, they are managing, you know, multi-million dollar, billion dollar companies, but to have that space to ideate, especially around something as new in their own journey around DEI is critical. So we hope that, you know, again, Taya, to your point, to get this as a, a foundation of our young leaders will really help accelerate the work once they become, you know, more senior and seasoned leaders in the workforce. I want to pivot for a second, talk a little bit about, we don't want to sound tone deaf literally today in the sense of what's been occurring in the last 12 months for all of us, right, with the pandemic. Danya, I'd be curious to know, in your opinion, and I've heard this several times in the last couple months, that this time that we've had as a country has given a lot of organizations and industries and companies uh, an opportunity to pause and reflect and really think about what their values are and what is most important to them. How do you see the conversation of DEI continuing to move forward with embeddedness of values within organizations? Do you see that something as, and don't say this to, to, to kind of be flippant about it, but it's not just a trend. It's something that we will continue to build and incorporate in everything that we do. Do you get the sense from the organizations that you're talking to that we've turned that corner mm -hmm. or do we still have a lot of work to do? You know, it's, it's hard because I've been thinking, I think about change and, and sort of like what, what, what are the milestones, you know, for our change? Like what are some of the indicators that we have turned a corner or is it just one long set of blocks, you know, that you're just running down and there's no corner to turn? I think some of the indicators for me, one, I've noticed that our, our fluency is increasing. So that means I see people using terms like equity and understanding what it is and they're applying it in the right way. The fact that now equity is a part of the conversation of diversity and inclusion is a huge indicator to me that folks are starting to understand that because if even 15, 20 years ago, we were talking about minority sensitivity and it was really about how do you tolerate somebody different than you? versus how do you build a bridge or remove a barrier to ensure true inclusiveness? So we've been able to see this, I like to look at it like the stock market, you know, we're trending up, you know, we obviously have those bumps and those, 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 those valleys that we dip in, but we're trending up. And so I'm an optimist. I think one of the, uh, one of the things that we have to continue to do, and this is something that, you know, I, I, I hear Taya always talking about, when we talk about systems change, we can't, forget the, the people side of it. And how do we give people opportunities to be able to, to do self-assessments, to check their own bias, to, to, to become re-energized and not to think about the enormity of the problem to the point where they're sort of like, well, what can I really do? Because that's when you start to get folks to pull off a little bit on, you know, how important this work is. Now, I will say after, you know, I, my milestone before that, you know, we can mark it with the murder of Trayvon Martin, right? Uh, when Black Lives Matters, like the, the, the hashtag and then the organization was created and then our community started refocusing in on the most marginalized black and brown folk. And then the next milestone became then, if, just, I think uh, something we've all experienced was the murder of George Floyd. And then the conversation to cover up of the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. 
And then, you know, the, the conversation around Breonna Taylor and the murder of Breonna Taylor, you know, then that became like, okay, all right. Back when we were talking about and, and, and really dissecting why Colin Kaepernick took a knee, like we were really like, why is he taking a knee? And folks were sort of waking up to why is he taking a knee? To now it's like, oh, wow, I see why he took a knee. So going back to the crazy dancing guy, to the crazy dancing person, again, now we have about 50 people dancing, right? And so back in 2016, we may only had two. So we're moving where we're getting more people to this momentum around changing where there's an expectation. So what I'm starting to see as another marker is within the economic development shop, when we have companies that are looking at relocating or looking at, you know, expanding into our market, they are asking questions about our diversity, equity, and inclusivity work. They're asking that that is now a priority, just like how close are you to the highway? You know, they, they, I mean, they are, it is now part of the menu of what they see as a part of their corporate culture. Uh, so again, these are markers and milestones that we can see that encourages me that this is going to be something that's sustained and not just an add-on. That's great. Along with that, Taya, I know you and I have had the opportunity to, you know, see some things that have happened over the last year within the college, everything from our book club conversations to just having some really tough conversations that I think people, you always say, it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's making people feel uncomfortable and stretch and change. But what do you feel has been kind of the, the biggest takeaway that we as a country and potentially just we as a college have learned about ourselves in the last 12 months? I think Danya brought this up. And so I want to make sure that I echo it. It's that uh, we can't name what we can't see. We can't understand what we can't name. We can't fix what we don't understand. And what turned the corner this summer is a lot of people began to see. And so now what do we do with that awakening? We need all hands on deck. Every single person that has been dedicated to social justice work who's been writing the theories uh, in critical race theory, who's been uh, leading in our minority studies, queer studies, you know, uh, all, all of the areas, all of our academics that have been researching and writing and pushing, all of those people need to now merge <laughs> with, with, uh, with both our, our corporate spaces and with actual practice. And because we, we've been having, in academics, we've been having these conversations for a long, long time. Uh, just this week, College of Education was able to host Gloria Gladson, Gladson Billings, <clears throat> the writer of critical race theory, who helped us understand how our institutions originally were set up, unfortunately, uh, with racialized lenses. And that it, it is part of the system that we, we need to begin to evaluate. Uh, we need to be turning to all of those resources. And, and, and like I think we've also said a couple times in this conversation, we need to go back to 101. We need to go back to 101 because we've come a long ways in 30 years. We've come a long ways in 10 years. And we're all ready. That's what I'm seeing, is that we're, we're ready to kind of go back to that material, look at it one more time, because we're looking at it with new eyes now. So I guess a compliment to that question would be, what do you anticipate being some of the greatest challenges moving forward? 
remember my river guide scenario there are i'm in the boat i'm in the boat yeah yes. you are in my boat literally jenny <laughs> um you're in my raft here's your oar we we have to make sure everyone stays moving in a similar direction there there's a lot of ways that all of this can kind of evolve and when we get really, really excited and everybody really, really, really wants to join in and everybody really, really wants to start the doing, like one of the best things about Pool College of Management is the think and the do part, right? It really is. Everyone is eager to jump in and start rolling. And, and so keeping the vision and keeping the direction and saying, okay, you know, if we row too hard at this point in time, we're, we're going to go right into that level five rapid, everybody. I actually need us to like, right side, you just slow down for a minute. We're going to veer over here and, and we're going to take the easy path <laughs> uh, to a certain extent to, to get us through a few of these times. And, and so that's, that's what I'm really working hard to do is, is to set the vision and, and to show everyone, you know, the direction that we can gently head. Uh, so we don't get all thrown from the boat. But really, that's what I'm trying to help us, you know, avoid. Does it mean it's going to be easy? No. I mean, I don't mean to oversimplify this because you're right. It, we're, we have been trained as a culture to not talk about our past and to not talk about these pain points and not talk about the trauma and that goes, over, that goes 360 degrees, every, every individual in our, in our community. And so when we start to try and bring these things up, all of those emotions are going to come up. Um, so we need a lot of support in, in unpacking the emotions that are around this, because it's one thing to cognitively understand it. It's something completely different to be able to unpack the feelings and the emotions that we're, we're all carrying around like invisible baggage. Oh, mine's not invisible. Mine's there. <laughs> I'm aware. I am self-aware of what my baggage is. Yes. Yeah, we'll put it down. Donya, <laughs> what do you think? Am I being too, am I being, am I, am I out there? Am I out no, there? Bring me back. Not at all. I, there's nothing to bring back. You know, I, I would, I don't, as you were talking, I was just thinking about, you know, I am a father of this beautiful black baby boy, 15 years old. I keep calling my baby, but he's about 6'3". And I have a nephew who's 16 and I have the talk. And within my community, when we talk about the talk, it is how do you as a black male govern yourself in this community? You know, having to pass down trauma um, that I experienced, that my father had experienced, my father's fathers had experienced. And we're talking about how do you navigate a world where that maybe your skin is seen as a threat? And, you know, knowing that my son walks out of this house every single day and I have to think about, you know, am I sending him out in a better world than yesterday? Um, or is there a possible in that trending up that this is going to be one of those dip days? Again, this is one of those things where I have to stay optimistic uh, because conversations like this, I don't, I know we were not talking about these things 10 years ago in a way that was as open as it is now. They were in different settings. They were in, in corners of barbershops and all across the dinner table and in and, and, and halls of academia, which tends to be the, leads the forefront in this sort of evolving and moving. Um, but I just hope that it, it, it really trickles down to, you know, a place where we can have honest conversations about other people's lived experiences. So when I talk about my experience, this is not, it's not a place to defend why that experience isn't valid. And that does not get us any closer 
to living in a community that we truly see. So I think honestly, the biggest challenge is just us as humans taking the time to self-reflect. Uh, I call it grits, get right into their shoes. You know, just- I'm just, writing just, that down by the way, grits. Just okay. get some Got grits, <laughs> get right into their shoes and let that be your starting place. Try to figure out a time and opportunity to informally socialize with somebody who has a different lived experience. Go have a drink, go have lunch with somebody that has a different lived experience. Go to their sacred place, you know, go um, worship with them. Uh, just go somewhere different, learn something different, ask questions and be inquisitive. Now don't put your, you know, challenges on them, right? You don't want to put your, you no, know, you're in, in this authentic mode of just learning and growing. There's now this conversation, especially after the passage of, in the conversation around the Crown Act, which supports specifically women of color being able to hair, wear, wear their hair in spaces and not feel, you know, devalued. And, you know, a, a lot of women of color talk about that feeling of people being interested in their hair. Ooh, let me touch it. Uh, don't do that. That's not the authentic, the authenticity that we want, right? We want you to feel comfortable in asking questions, talking, sharing, learning, but do it in a way in which you're building a relationship with somebody before you meet them. It sounds to me investing too, right? Investing in the conversation, investing in the relationships. I think that's a big part of it too. Uh, two questions remain. This next one specifically, Taya, and then Danya, I'd love to hear your kind of things that are happening in your world. But Taya, you've built this, well, group effort, right? This beautiful center in, in Nelson Hall. And um, you have, I imagine, a very ambitious agenda of the things that you want to do. But give us just a sneak peek at what your 12 to 18 month plans look like for pool. Well, I appreciate you giving me the platform, Jenny, to um, open up my brain and kind of share what's in it. And I'm actually going to tell you, this may come as a surprise, I don't have an ambitious agenda. I don't. I would like to see us move this year. Um, you mentioned our reading groups, right? So I've, I'm piloted and experimented with some ways that I can engage our, the adult learners of our building, right? Our faculty and our staff experimented with some ways to, to bring them to a learning space. So in my little pilot studies, right? And these little beta testings that we've been done, and I've tried different styles and different topics. Um, we have seen about 60% of pool come to some kind of learning opportunity. And so that's a really big deal. That, that's an incredible accomplishment just by itself. And that was just kind of, you know, experimenting with some ideas. So what I'd like to put in front of everyone and pull this next year in the next 12 months is, is, a, is a roadmap where they can kind of see, okay, I'm going to start with some more awareness building. These are the types of things that I might go do. And some of them, you know, would be hosted here in pool, but many of them are going to be hosted, you know, around in the numerous resources that we have at, at NC State or they might be resources that are in uh, the triangle area. And if I can move that 60% to, to 90%, which might sound like a big move, but really the energy and the enthusiasm of the 60% that already tried something this year, all they need to do is mention it a couple of times in their staff meetings, a couple of times to their colleagues in their offices, mention it a couple of times in their social media. And, and I believe we're going to have, to Danya's analogy, a, 
we can get more people on the dance floor. The dancers. Yes. Yeah. We will have those dancers. So, so um, where my, my vision is ambitious is really helping everyone kind of see the 100s and the 200s and 300s, right? The levels that I'd like for them to work through. But uh, if I can get everyone just to do, like I said, one a night, if I can get 90% of everyone doing one awareness activity next year, uh, we are, that's going to be a big deal. That's going to be really big. I also uh, know that in the college, our, um, our uh, associate dean for our curriculum and academics did ask our um, curriculum committees to look at our coursework. And I think I saw a lot of deer in headlights looks from some of our committees uh, when they first read uh, what the, the uh, committee charge was. And I would like to say that is a fair response. That is fair. So I'm circling back to those committee members and I'm asking, what do you feel like you maybe need to be able to execute on this uh, request to evaluate curriculum and make some adjustments and add some modules and add some new concepts and vocabulary? So if I can help our college see a, a scaffolded structure, like let's have some concepts introduced early. Let's have the analysis of some of those concepts introduced in the middle of the student experience. And let's have a few activities and, and uh, you know, deliverables of what students are learning through that process towards the latter end. That would be a great vision to be able to paint for everyone. All I wanna be able to do next year is paint the vision. And then in the next couple of years, as my faculty awareness and learning and development increases and their confidence grows, then I'll begin to see, you know, two or three people coming back and saying, okay, I really would like to add this element to my class. And um, what would we need to do to do this well um, so that uh, the experience is successful, so that we're reaching some learning outcomes. And what I'd love to see, I mean, if end of next year, I have two examples of that, that would be great. They really would. Uh, so that's that's where I do believe that we're going. Meanwhile, you know, we're going to be able to be back in person uh, come fall semester. And what most people were used to engaging me in pool college around were our Heritage Month celebrations, because that is an easy way, right? That is accessible for two goals to be reached. One, we get to center and validate one of our subcultures and pool that way, right? And that's why NC State as a campus has, um, you know, wonderful programming around Latinx Heritage Month, Native American Heritage Month, Black History Month, Women's History Month, right? APETA Heritage Month, all of those things. Well, when we get back, Jenny, we are going to throw some really big parties. We've had some lots amazing, of dancing. Mm -hmm. there's going to be so much dancing. There's going to be so much salient culture to explore and to, to get used to engaging with in those moments. We've been super fortunate to have a couple of alumni and some private donors step up who want to supercharge my efforts in this way. Uh, so we're going to have some fun community activities as well. And I think it, was, it will be very timely, right? Everyone's going to be eager to be reconnecting. And uh, if I'm doing my job well, then those, those events are going to be really layered. There's going to be messages to be learned. There's going to be new knowledge to be learned and lots of validation uh, for our communities in this process. So that's that's what the next 12 months are gonna have from me. I can't wait. And and Danya, I'll I'll give you a tee up here, right? Rumor has it that you and Taya partnered together on a conference. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that that's coming up. But also what's what does your next 12 to 18 months look like? You're a busy guy anyway, but what do you, what do you have coming up? 
Well, we are, this is actually our fourth annual diversity, equity, and inclusivity conference. It's scheduled for August the 25th and the 26th. And our last conference attracted over 900 people. TAYA has been an amazing thought partner with us, along with so many other um, uh, companies. We have an amazing task force that really helps us drive this conversation that is new in the chamber world. But it's also something where I feel like it's been a really amazing launching point for an agenda. So we look at our conferences as being bookends, but the real work happens in between the conferences. So it is an opportunity for us to celebrate, to talk about what's the next era, you know, what's the next conversation. And for me, at least the next, I would say the next year or two really will be focusing in on getting deeper into our work around dismantling systemic racism. That is absolutely new for our chamber to be the convener of a conversation to look at disparities in education, health, criminal justice, and economic mobility is unique. Uh, but we recognize the influence that the business community can have in these spaces. So uh, we've actually launched an initiative, an awareness campaign called A Better Wake. You can go to abetterwake.com and it has amazing resources. It has a lot of great opportunities to put an action plan, an action guide, uh, and a toolkit to, to help build your fluency. Uh, but in the same place, it all, we are also asking for our companies and community members to, to sign up for this pledge, this commitment, uh, so that we can show our collective community that we, are, we value this, that we value the experiences of Black and Brown people. Want to make sure that we also recognize the, the pain that our brothers and sisters within our Asian American Pacific Islander our community is going through. And so this work uh, not only is about, you know, inspiring people um, and empowering people to want to change, um, it's about educating folk and then looking at the systems that need to be uh, adjusted, need to be dismantled, need to be rebuilt, um, looking at the policies, the programs and the practices and really doing a deep dive. We had an amazing conversation operationalizing what the history of systemic racism and after that conversation within our business community, the feedback that we were receiving was really of a benign, like, I did not know. You know, we do definitely have folks that are trying to distract us from the conversation of systemic racism, saying that it's not real. But the majority of people within our business community are saying, like, okay, well, I did not realize I was building on top of this, Right. So I need to get to the root. I need to understand the, 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 the inner workings of what I'm building on, try to correct that, and then we can accelerate our growth. So that to me is really exciting. We're working with RTI, um, amazing support from the county, Wake County, City of Raleigh, Duke Energy has been an amazing ally and supporter in this, in this work. This study is going to provide us blueprints and recommendations for a 10-year strategy. Uh, and then we're going to put together an outward facing, community facing dashboard that looks at those four areas and what are some of the, the needles that we want to move to be able to, again, show the progress that we're having in eliminating those disparities. Do you see why I like to hang out with Danya now? <laughs> Other than he's a great dancer. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, how exciting is it for NC State, Pool College of Management, to be right standing side by side with a leader like Danya. I mean, that, oh, I know you, you've got vision and you're inspiring. And Danya, you're 
taking on the hardest challenges, but the way you talk about it just makes it sound like it's going to be so easy. <laughs> and, and I just, I, I think we were trying to figure out how we met originally. Um, I'm sure it was at some common event, right? That we, you did? I figured it out. So this was part of, and, and we actually alluded to, it, and this is where, where it's, it sparked my brain. So we were talking about listening. And I thought about it and I said, you know, when I first started the job, I was on a listening tour. And so in my listening tour, it was about connecting with people. I've heard, you know, you go meet this person. They say, oh, you got to go meet these people. And then those people say, you need to meet these people. And so that's how I, I, I got Taya's address, I emailed, I emailed her, said, hey, let's meet up. And I think we went over and ate off of Hillsborough Street, David Dumplings. I Probably. Think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and that's where we first met. And after that, it was a wrap. I was, I was going to follow Taya to the ends of the, of the earth. You hear me? Till the ends of the earth. And, and, you know, being able to be so connected to, you know, my alma mater, right? There you I go. Class of 98, NC State has to do everything in its power to keep Taya's thought leadership here because uh, I truly believe that the university is going to be an anchor in a lot of this work. And honestly, if we're talking about recruiting talent, I mean, we are, we are building the talent right here in this university. We are building that talent. And it would be amazing to magnetize them once they graduate to, to keep them here. And then we can build upon all the wonderful stuff that full college is doing with the young folks. So I love it. Well, I have to say, I, I agree. The positive enthusiasm is rather contagious. Having an environment like NC State is amazing, but also living in a community that is supporting the work that NC State is doing is powerful too. So kudos. For, for leading that. So thank you both for, for coming today. Thank you, Jenny. Appreciate you facilitating. Great. Thank you, Jenny, for giving us a platform today. It really makes a big difference. Representation matters. Well, this has been an incredibly insightful conversation. Thank you both for your time today and your generous insights. And thank you for listening, everyone. For more information on the Pool College of Management at NC State, visit pool.ncsu.edu or follow along on social media where we're at NC State Pool. You can learn more about both Taya and Danya by following them on LinkedIn. You can also learn more about the work that Danya mentioned with recruiting new companies to Wake County by logging on to the website, abetterwake.com. And if you like this show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. This podcast is a production of EarFluence. I'm Jenny Hammond, and we'll see you next time on The Pool Podcast.